Blog Talk Radio. Angeles, California. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow the Paranormal and Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. We're very proud to say we're translating into many different languages for listeners outside our country, and we're featured on Blog Talk Radio. And the call number tonight is 619-924-9744, and the paranormal and the sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. During the show, I can take questions in order in chat, and you may call in with your questions and speak with our awesome guest tonight. Any buzz killers in chat or on the phone, you know what's going to happen to you. So I have a copy of your number, and I'll call you back, and I'll harass you if you ask me. So play nice. Anyway, there's a big thing going on this weekend. Uh, you know, I, I belong to CERO, the support group for uh, and research for UFO abductees and also all things UFO-related. And that's CERO International and the founder is Javon Smith, and uh, she does uh, hypnosis and regressional things anyway. Tomorrow night, they're having L.A. Marzulli and Rick Shaw joined by Preston Dennett, and they're going to be talking about E.T.'s, Giants, and Nephilim, and uh, they're saying, how long have these beings been with us? What role have they played in the planet's history and humanity's religions and culture? How about now? What's their agenda? Anyway, July 11th, 2015, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., Double Tree Hotel at the Catalina Room, 6161 West Catalina, excuse me, Sentinel Avenue, Culver City, California, 90230. And you can, uh, what's going on is that Dr. J. Elias, uh, who we love, uh, popular host of the Dark Matter Radio, he's going to be the moderator and he's going to field audience questions for this fascinating panel. And let's see, I thought we were going to have a Skype in too, uh, but I don't see it anymore. Anyway, www.cerointernational.com is where you can get your tickets to show up at the door. And there's going to be also a $3 uh, validation thing. Anyway, of course, our experiencers speak thing is going out, out there in Maine, August 28th, 29th. It's not sold out, so please contact Audrey Starborn uh, and everybody that's going to show up over there. And the uh, phone number is 774-766-2558. So it's a Starborn Support cons- uh, Conference they're having every year now, August 28th through 29th. And Reverend John Pope, Kathleen Martin, Tom Reed, you know, they're our special awesome people. Suzanne Chancellor, Denise Stone, Grant Cameron, Travis Walton, and uh, the MC is going to be Peter Robbins. So, you know, all these people we love and hold dearly, and they're all going to be there, and they're going to screen Travis, the true story of the Travis Walton story. And also, I think that's just about it. 
And um, anyway, thank you for being here tonight. And uh, it's a beautiful evening in California. And uh, I just can't be more grateful for uh, how our weather has been here. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. I can't even tell you. It's like 69 all the time. Anyway, let's introduce our awesome guest tonight. His name is Alex Mistrata. Alex is author of The Presence, one of the few full-time professional investigators in the field. He is a former MUFON Los Angeles Director of Investigation and a former member of MUFON Star Team. He is currently the Director of Investigations at UPARS. Alex is also a cryptozoologist, a former member of the Big Cats in Britain, and an expert in hominoids and African cryptozoology. We need to hear about all about that. And he is also a longtime researcher in the parapsychology field, often working with Dr. Barry Taff. If you remember that incident, they did a movie about that, uh, the entity, and Barry Taff was involved with that. So that's fascinating. Alex has his B.S. in anthropology and a B.S. in psychology from the University of Illinois, Chicago. He has devoted his life to research of the paranormal, UFOs, hidden history, and cryptozoology. Described as part Fox Mulder, we love it, and part Indiana Jones, Alex has featured on several television shows, including UFO Files, Legend Hunters. He's also contributed to the Black Vault and the Jimmy Church radio show. Alex lives in L.A., so he knows how awesome it is over here. And uh, anyway, to get all of his book, you go to, I found it right on Amazon. Put in his name, A-L-E-X, and then his spelling of his last name is M-I-S-T-R-E-T-T-A, and put the presence in there. I found it right away. You can also go to www.thepresencebook.com. Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to welcome our guest tonight. And I want to welcome Alex. Uh, you're live with Secret. Hi. Great. Hi. How are you? Happy to be I'm here. I'm doing good. <laughs> I actually, uh, you, you just, uh, isn't it beautiful here in L.A.? I just want to say that I'm kind of bragging, but I can't believe how awesome it is right now. Yeah, I grew up here, and I went away for college, and I came right back. I didn't even go to graduation. I came back my first day after finals. Wow. Well, you know, that here, really. It's beautiful. We've got the ocean. We've got the mountains. We've got everything. And, you know, except the, everything's uh, too expensive. That's the only problem, the housing. But right now, we're just having a perfect weather. Yeah, I can't complain. I mean, you know, I, I'm at the yeah. beach every week, so. That's right. So why don't you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit of your background for our listeners tonight. Yeah, I um, I went to school for anthropology and psychology with uh, with this field in mind, you know, thinking I needed a good base before I got into investigations. And the uh, first thing I did was uh, join MUFON, and I became an investigator. And pretty quickly I became the uh, – Director of Investigations for MUFON in Los Angeles. I did that for about 10 years, which, you know, I went through hundreds and hundreds of sightings. And between that, my other passions are uh, parapsychology, as you mentioned in the intro. And uh, I met Dr. Barry Taff, and we became good friends, actually. And I knew of him because of the movie The Entity, which was based on yeah. the case. You know, and uh, I've been on, I don't know, 10 to 20 uh, different investigations with him. And... Uh, my true passion actually was really cryptozoology, and I, uh, especially in Africa. I spent two years organizing an ex- expedition and documentary on uh, one of their mystery animals called Mokede Membe. Unfortunately, after two years of work, they pulled the plug because of uh, the civil war in the Congo. And mm-hmm. since then, you know, I, 
I wrote the book. I uh, I uh, I'm not with Mufon anymore. There's a lot of upheaval in the organization, and I ended up just doing something else. I worked with Steve Marillo, who was the ex uh, Mufon director of uh, California, and pretty much that's it. You know, I've done a handful of shows, and this is, I mean, this is what I do day in and day out. You know, it sounds exciting. Uh... It's. Uh, I only really just came out with my own story like three years ago. That's it. So, ever since then, I've been doing this show. One thing led to another. I didn't, you know, seek it out. I kind of find you, and I'm quite amazed that you took those studies with this in mind. I always, uh, I'm a, a counselor for uh, federal prisoners that are, you know, in house detention and things like that. Okay. And I've always had that, I know I've always had that in mind, like oh, I want to help people, and yeah. you know I'm interested in uh, criminology, and I started out with uh, getting the women off the street and their kids into shelter. You know I've always been kind of doing that, you know what I mean. So I was really yeah. surprised to hear that you were actually going to school. I didn't have the presence of mind. That's what I'm trying to say. But I've been experienced for my whole life, you know. So I really yeah. we look to people like you that are really concentrating in doing this. Yeah, I mean, I've been obsessed with it since I was a little kid. I, uh, we moved to London briefly when I was a kid, and I went in a bookstore. I found a book on, I can't remember what book it is, but on different types of mysteries, and then I was just hooked, you know? Well, yeah. Well, what's better, more interesting? Come on. Nothing. Maybe yeah, quantum no, really. physics. Maybe quantum physics yeah. is a little interesting. But other than that, so um, you said that you were actually working with a very cast. You know, that is freaking spooky. I can't even approach the whole thing. I've wanted to do a show on it, and I'm just too scared by, you know, because I've, of course, met him in person, and his story about, you know, the poor victim and the entity is, is horrible, really, because she's alcoholic and all kinds of stuff. So tell us about that, if you will. Yeah, well, you know, it's a little bit before my time, so I mean, obviously Beer and I yeah. talk about it all the time. But it's, uh, it's a recurrence in a lot of his cases, in fact, it, you know, uh, a lot of his people have a hard time dealing with what is happening. But Barry, you know, has a very unique theory when he comes to the entity. And there's actually another uh, haunting passage called the San Pedro haunting, which is the other famous one in his career, which was actually very similar. His theory in both those cases is the woman at the center of the haunting is actually the one causing the events, that she has this ability to manifest the phenomena. And unconscious. Well, first thing you need couple of different things. First of all, you need a specific environment, uh, geomagnetic anomaly site, something like that, which the Antity House and the San Pedro House was actually uh, on a site where, you know, if you measured the uh, geomagnetic environment, it says something goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. Um, it's almost, it's almost uh, pre-volcanic. It was that strong. Anyway, certain individuals apparently have this ability to use this energy and project it out. It's I call it, it's kind of like a physical representation of your id. So nothing yes. is controlling on you, but there's, so there's no ego to get in the way. And that's, that way, that's why it's very destructive, very chaotic. And there's theory with entities that, you know, the film portrayed that way. The film kind of portrayed as just kind of like a standard, you know, haunting a ghost, demon type of thing. But in various theory, it's very much manifested by these individuals. He calls them poltergeist agents. And, um, you know, and in all the cases I've been to with Barry, where there was a certain individual at the center of a you know particular disturbance or haunting, they've all had the same yeah. symptoms. They've all had you know they've all had a lot of hard time dealing with it. A lot of post-traumatic stress disorder. 
alcoholics, use of drugs, and a lot of them, in fact, have a history of seizures. In fact, we find out that uh, certain medications, uh, anti-seizure medication, inhibits phenomena. Wonder under the medication, uh, nothing happens. Wow. I didn't know that. That That's kind of stunning to me, you know, that uh, a person can bring on that kind of kinetic activity that's almost electrical. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it doesn't necessarily negate other forces or outside intelligence, but I think, yeah. you know, it just states that there's more to the phenomenon. It's just someone that died and comes back and, you know, creates chaos type of thing. It's a lot more complex and complicated than that. Well, it's, um, you know, I don't know if I agree with it or not. I'm, I wasn't there, so I don't know what happened. But I do believe people can. Well, it's like the 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 indicated uh, person with the problem when you go into psychology. There's always yeah. one person who's presented, and it's usually the whole house full of everybody. But that person is kind of acting it out for everybody. That's what I, I kind of right. believe. And I think if you add that into hauntings, that could be true. Except that I know some people that were truly in haunted houses and didn't have anything oh, yeah, like that. But yeah, no, no, absolutely. I don't, I don't believe it's every case. This is just happens to be, I think, you know, what happened with the Antity and the San Pedro. Obviously, I've investigated, I've had phenomena there for hundreds of years, you know, or generations, and yeah. it's, a, it's a very different deal, I think. So it, one doesn't necessarily negate the other. I just think there's different sources and different reasons for why, you know, the phenomena. Uh, shows itself. Right. Wow. What about? Are you mean San Pedro, California? When you say San Pedro, or you mean Mexico? No, it's, uh, San Pedro here in uh, near Los Angeles. In, wow. What what case are you talking about? What happened? Tell us about that. Um. Again, this was before my time, so I wasn't there, so I don't. You okay. Know, not that particular with the details. Uh, same thing as the entity. It was uh same type of phenomena. It, it followed a woman around. It was actually very violent, I've, uh, and I've seen the pictures. Uh, uh-huh. One day, Barry and another one of the assistants, uh, one of his friends, Barry Conrad, was also involved in investigations. And the cameraman, whose name I, you know, I can't recall, I've never actually met him. So they go to the house, and this woman is, you know, telling you know things moving around. There's smells in the house. She's getting poked. You know the whole deal. And they hear noises upstairs in the attic. So uh, Barry Conrad goes up there with a camera, starts taking pictures just in case, and something knocks the camera out of his hand, and it just goes flying to the other side of the attic. And uh, so the camera guy says, you know, let me go up there and check it out, see what's going on. And uh, so he goes up there, and uh, they hear a bunch of noises, and they hear a little bit, a little scream. And it's very dark, so Barry takes his camera out and gets the light out, and uh, the camera guy was actually hung next to a pole by the ceiling by a rope. I had no idea what happened. I doesn't remember anything. Wow. Yeah, I, mean, um, I saw the pictures of him. Then well, I took a picture. I, did, I saw a picture of him hanging there. You know, it's, it's the only case that I know of where it's really that violent. Well, it's actually dangerous. Um, well, how how yeah. was the case resolved? It wasn't. Um, essentially, the they went back for another investigation. The camera was actually uh, slammed against the wall. So he had enough, so he kind of left. And eventually, um, Jackie, I believe was the name of the woman, moved. Uh, the phenomena sort of followed her around, and eventually they kind of lost track of her because she kind of, I guess, decided to go underground. But it never stopped. It followed her wherever she went, apparently. And I think that's oh, yeah. the difference, too, between, you know, traditional hunting that, that established itself at a particular uh, location, or in this case, 
you know, it follows an individual around, which would make sense if the, the phenomena is generated by that particular individual. Yes, they call that an attachment or something, don't they? Right. Yeah. I yeah. Know that's so important, you know. So obviously, we know, you know, think about it, we know very little about what causes the phenomena. We have a lot of theories and speculation, but, you know, in reality, that we're not sure. I think, I think that uh, at the quantum level that, that everything has a memory, even buildings. I Like, yeah. it just has a memory and it's here, and if it stands long enough, the old building still have a, has a sense of itself where it stands. I have a very have had a very peculiar uh, things happen to me concerning just buildings wanting to be what they used to be. You know, right. walking into a place when I really thought it would be one way and it was totally different, and I'm seeing it the old way. Or, you know, it's very it's been very confusing. Up until yeah, I've heard a lot of these stories. Uh, yeah. yeah, have you? Not personally, something happened to me personally. I, you know, again, I've heard a lot of stories. You know, you name it, I've heard it at this point. But yeah, it's a. Yeah, it, it, that's why I think part of that's why it's so interesting because the phenomenon manifests itself in so many different ways. It sure does. You know? Oh, interesting, yeah. And then yeah, uh, you know, in your book, you talk. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, oh, just real quick, I was going to say you brought up quantum physics, and I think one of the important aspects of quantum physics that is, I think, makes sense in parapsychology is you cannot separate the observer from the event, that, you know, observing an event kind of affects that event and, you know, it kind of gives you feedback in that sense. And I think it's very much true in parapsychology. It's just the fact of being there. Whatever, whoever's observing the phenomena kind of makes it react in a different manner. Yeah, that's so true because uh, they're also having like a remote thing going on. If it affects, it's like being in two places at once. It's literally the same thing that you're observing. And no matter how far away it is, it's still connected to another particle and that particle is affected by what you do or look at it or anything even though it's it's far far away it's just now we know we can be two places at once it's things have gotten very strange in the scientific world which i really love i do yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, the, i mean the reality of it is the quantum physicist should be the one taking a look at this you know ideally so true but yeah unfortunately you know it's not going to happen so yeah, because there's too many, well, there's the honest people, then there's the crackpot and liars, which really irritates the hell out of me, because there's enough interesting things going on without making up anything. Yeah, some people so are making stuff up. I hate that. Oh, you're speaking to the choir. Yep, because it's it's just, to me, every time something like that happens, it just feels like a setback to me. Because we're, you yeah. know, we're pushing forward, pushing forward just to be able to talk out loud about this stuff. And uh, then somebody goes ahead and does, uh, because they're ego-driven, I guess. I don't know what they want, money or ego. I don't know. Then they do something stupid and pathetic, you know, because to me it all looks stupid too. You know, I go, yeah. okay, we're going to fall for that one. Another little ghost on the ground or, you know, it's a cutout of, yeah. uh, it's just stupid to me, you know. And it's just irritating me. But I've decided to shake myself off after the last huge incident down south. I'm not even bringing it up where they are. But after that, I just said, you know what? Just keep forging forward. Go where the yeah. honesty is. You know what I mean? And surround yourself with people and friends that you really can look up to and admire in their truth and honesty, you know? Because well, there's you know, enough people that. Yeah. 
Well, that's a double-edged sword, too, of all the uh, TV shows, which in some ways it's, it's nice to have this feel out a little bit more popular. But on the other hand, so much of that stuff is made up that, you know, it yes. makes us look like, you know, not so great. I mean, I'm gonna, I know for a fact that some of these investigators are actors, right, and they have dialogue. You know, they're not, yeah. a lot of these cases are real, you know. So, and the crazier the better because, you know, so has, stuff has to happen on TV, right? So they make stuff up. So that hurts yeah. us, I think, you know. So it's a weird conundrum, you know? Yeah, because I'm sure when you guys are doing an investigation, there's a lot of times you're sitting around the quiet, in the dark, oh. and there's nothing going on, you know? Yeah, sometimes I think that's what I do for a living. I, you know, sit around by myself <laughs> in the dark, or, or you know, or looking at the Poor sky. Alex. <laughs> I spend time in a dancer by myself, looking at the sky for hours, you know? Oh, my God. That's part of the deal. <laughs> At least you can entertain yourself. Oh no, that's that's so ridiculous. But it's true. It's like anything that's worthwhile, you know. Somehow you have to go alone, like writing yeah. and stuff like that. And what you're doing, you have to go it alone, you know. And uh, it's a peculiar thing because you're not getting any feedback. You're just sitting there. I can imagine it, but I also respect it. You know, we gotta laugh at ourselves too. Yeah. Well, I don't invest you know? alone as much as I used to, just because I, I get bored. You know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Let me tell you, it's a lot more fun if something along. Plus, if you see something spectacular, you have no one to corroborate your story. You know, so True. that's never good. But. Yeah, I have a. I'm doing an investigation at work, and I'm telling you something so strange that there is something weird going on in the lobby at work, right? So, yeah. uh, if I'm in my office looking on my monitor, I shut off the light in the in the lobby, which is where everybody sits. There is so much of these, they call them orbs, a thing that I've never believed in, and I could care less about an orb, right? Really. Right. Somebody gave me an awesome picture of a book on orbs, and I gave it away. That's how much I couldn't care less. Until what happened in my lobby, it's all filled with these things flying around, and uh, they seem to have intention. They're kind of aimless, but they're super fast. They go to every direction, and one lit up so bright and uh i was just looking out so i just cannot figure out what's going on here and it's weird because all of us are scared to be in the dark over there yeah it's just and it's and it, the building wasn't built till 1981 so we can't figure out you know what's the right. red juju over there yeah but it used to be a children's clinic huh. you know so there was a lot of children that had severe problems going through there and it's kind of like what these little things act like they're yeah. little orb things the little orbs that look like little jets when they're flying around. So it's, yeah, it's a, odd. Yeah. yeah, I think with orbs, you know, the problem is a lot of pictures people have shown me, it's just honestly it turned out to be dust particles from moisture in the air, you know, you yeah, that's picked up by the yes, digital camera. Exactly. That's very different. That, that's very different so this than, is know, different what I'm saying. Because yeah. why would it turn around and go in a different direction? Because we have done, unfortunately, the first time we saw it, I'm sitting there with my client. We both kind of yeah. got this weird headache at the same time. We both looked at the monitor at the same time. And I, I looked at it, and I saw, I started seeing all this stuff. And I said, did you see that? She said, yeah, I saw it. I thought I was seeing things. I went, no, it's happening. And then we realized that, and, and sometimes it's like a disco ball going on out there. It's yeah. that that brilliant. So, you know, we don't talk about it amongst ourselves very much. But that's what's yeah. going on over there, some weird phenomena that, I never believed in, and there, there they all are. But it's just, you know, just like you see in that one with that little bright orb 
is has like almost a little tail because it's going like a comet through the forest. Have you ever seen that one? Uh, one. Yeah, I've seen it. So I've got a whole yeah. room full of those little suckers. They're doing the same thing. Yeah. They move around the chairs. They go up the wall. They come back down. They're doing like in that forest. And there's yeah. uh, hundreds of them that are doing it, like a disco ball with tails because they're running around the whole room. So I don't know. That's my personal thing. But anyway, you also have in your book uh, about the Whaley House. I'm going to get out of ghosts yeah. pretty soon because I, I, I'm really interested in your cryptozoology and the UFO thing. But uh, yeah. you also have uh, the Whaley House. And this comes up often as, uh, built in 1950, oh, no, 1857 in an old section of San Diego. And it's gorgeous down there. And you've been down there? Well, yeah, you're talking about the orbs down there, too. Yeah, I uh, took a couple pictures. And um, one one of the pictures, you know, it's hard because you have to take pictures behind the glass. So you have to be very careful that what you're capturing is in a reflection. And, you know, but usually by now I can kind of tell what's what. Yeah, I took one picture. It's actually a little round blue ball of light over one of the beds that's kind of just standing there. And then um, on another picture, there's actually a scene. And again, it's, you know, it's, really, it's not very clear, but it seems to be kind of a shadow by a chair. Just yeah. Kind of, I don't know if it's sitting there or just in front of the chair. It's kind of hard to tell because, again, you can't get that close. But uh, So, yeah, so that piqued my interest. You know, otherwise, I didn't really see a whole lot there. But, uh, yeah, it's just one trip there. It's uh, I, I know, obviously, it has a great history in terms of haunting, you know. Yeah. That's strange. So, uh, into, uh, now, we have found out that Hollywood is probably the most haunted place in the world. Some researchers tell me that. Well, where where would you go haunting? Where would you find the most stuff? Well, Hollywood, actually. So, yeah, you and Barry Tapp went up there. Yeah, Barry spent half of his career out here. Um, yeah, again, I think that goes back to the uh, that it's just a huge geomagnetic anomaly site. So, and I think that that sort of feeds the phenomena. You know, it might already be there, but that sort of feeds it so it becomes stronger. And um, yeah, I mean, I have uh, I put up some picture uh, some pictures on Facebook that this was Barry's case. I wasn't involved with this one, but uh, it's a house across the street from where Sharon Tate was murdered, actually, up in the hills. Oh. And yeah. a lot yeah, a lot was going on uh, in the house. I think it was featured in Ghost Adventures uh, a few months ago. Yeah, I watched but, that. Uh, okay, so there's some pictures that came out. I don't know if they showed them on the show, but, I, you know, I helped very analyze them where there's a lady sitting in a chair, and you can see this kind of like, this sort of like ball of energy just kind of coming straight up from her head. And that's where we theorized that in this case, where it was able to show the moment where this phenomenon was emanating from that particular individual. Yeah. So the theory is that the environment feeds it, it goes through her, and then comes out, you know. So now, again, that doesn't negate that there's other, you know, there's an in, in, intelligence behind all this or there other intelligence around in the house, you know. But in that particular instance, it was super interesting because it might have been the first picture ever where you could actually see the phenomena emanating for the first time, you know, so... Yeah, I know they. I know that that they do exist. Um, yeah. I don't understand this whole thing uh, because so many strange things have happened. Like I don't know what the rules are. Like I'm always, I'm always looking for what's the rule on this one. You know. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's just because I was I was brought up, uh, you know, by not. 
I don't know if they were superstitious per se, but I'm I'm Greek and there's a very many and the Scottish side, both of them had a lot of uh superstitions and stuff like that. But it was it wasn't like my my parents are more modern, so they weren't my right. they thought like the Bible was a history book or stuff like that. You know, I was a little mystic. So uh I knew something was going on besides what they were saying and if they did uh, find something out, then uh, they were frightened. They were frightened, you know, because yeah. what does this mean for all of us? And what are the rules on it? You know, right? Have right. you ever thought about that? Like, what is, what are we supposed to do with this phenomenon? Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea of that. You know, I wish I knew. You know, I just all I know purpose, is purpose, don't you, you think? Know? Well, I think it's a purpose. To everything. I don't think. I think there's no exactly. There's no accidents. You know, nothing happens. Without a reason, obviously, we don't, you know, we're not in a position, I guess. And then, um, you know, it's almost like when it, when we deal with this phenomenon, it's sort of like, I don't know if you've ever heard the analogy of, like, the three man and the three blind men and the elephant. You know, yes. It's like, yes. Right, there's, an, there's an elephant in a room, three blind guys, and, you know, they're just asked, well, what are you grabbing? One guy's got the tail and one guy's got the leg. And each of them seems something different because they can't see it. And they're, you know, they're... So you, you, we get such a small part of what the phenomenon really is, I think. Yeah. You know, and I, and so out of that we sort of have to like you know deduce what's going on. But it's very hard because we're seeing what maybe what ten percent of what's really going on. Yeah, you know, I think I mean, that's I, what I'm really thinking about. Is the same thing. Like, why? Yeah. What is? It, is there a set of standards or rules to this? Or I, I think there's a meaning to all of it. It's just figuring out um, why. You know, because yeah. some, you know, some things are quite astonishing. I've experienced some incredible things, you know, even recently. It's things that are going on, because I'm older now. And yeah. uh, getting younger, as me and my friends decided to start saying, well, we're getting really younger. Yeah. Okay, well. And I thought, okay, my number's up. I'm going to get ready to die in about 20 years is over. And, you know, I was feeling kind of morbid about it. Then all of a sudden it turned around, and I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is get real, real dumb in my old age, and I'm not going to be able to do anything. And you know, I was kind of fearing that. And then, then I had a sighting of something that was so bizarre that I, I saw this thing. I'm going to tell you so uh, you know. Uh, I saw this thing probably two, three months ago. And I talked about it on, on the show because we're talking about, um, you know, modern things coming out and you know, strange sightings. So I actually, this is what I saw. So I was on my way to work, and I saw an aluminum, kind of really beautiful truck. It was really nice. It was like a, you seen those uh, shiny tankers? It was like that, but it was square in the back. And on the back, burnished perfectly around the edges was a film. And they were playing a movie on the back of this truck, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I looked at it and went, I can't believe this. And it looked like an old school movie of actually a road with, uh, trees and kind of sepia tones. I was looking at it. Oh my God! This is this can't be real. You know, so yeah. I was trying to chase the truck, but the truck wasn't there. You know what I mean? As soon as as soon as I I tried, almost caught up with it. It was gone. And I went, okay, that doesn't exist. Three months later, there's this big thing in the uh, Samsung is coming out with a uh, film. There's not even anything out there yet, but they're coming up with playing movies on the back of trucks. That looked yeah. much clunkier. They had like a four screen thing. You could see the lines. It was much clunkier than what I saw. So, what do you think about stuff like that? I think that's in some kind of a strange loop kind of thing. 
like I'm observing something that's going to be. What do you think about that yeah. phenomenon? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's very bizarre, you know. Um, it is bizarre. Because yeah. I have proof. Know, I, Thank God I have the proof. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's, sometimes it, there's things, just, even for us, it doesn't make any sense. You can't put fit it into a category, you know, some really random paranormal yeah. events. I mean, I think, you know, I think it's, I mean, sometimes I think for whatever reason we're able to see through to something else, right, whatever, you know another world, but other times I think, you know, it, it also has to do with the function of the way time works. I think we get some misconceptions about how time really works, you know, I mean, is there really a future, is there a past, how does, how does it work at a quantum level, you know, and I think sometimes we're able to kind of see the mechanism behind how reality really works. We have no base, we have nothing based it out, we have no idea what we're seeing because we don't understand it yet, you know. Exactly. Think, so you know, it's peculiar it's, that your brain can see yeah. something you don't even understand. Like when yeah, I looked I, at it, I thought, man, that's gorgeous. But to yeah. it wasn't there. And, you know, that happens to me a lot. And, you know, sometimes it's kind of peculiar, like it's real or Memorex or what am I really looking at? Yeah. You know, one time, yeah, I'm I mean, coming to this one time. One time I went to a Starbucks. Now, you know, Starbucks is the best place to go to the restroom if you're out and about, you know, it's really great in there because it's always clean and you get your coffee and all that. So I was on my way to a big shindig up in Hollywood. I mean, everybody was going to be there. Uh, you know, all the UFO people, everybody's going to be up there. So I was up there, too, because uh, I took my show up there. So we had like a big three-hour show. But anyway, so I went into his bathroom, and I thought I made a mistake when I first walked in because I want your opinion on this. I thought I made a mistake when I first walked in because it looked like a – room of mirrors you know what I mean the whole thing was mirrored all the walls and everything was mirrored so I thought okay um, I, I was in the room I looked around I went why would they make a room with just mirrors and a sink like that's yeah. weird and you know that every Starbucks bathroom looks just about the same right Yeah. so yeah. I was staring at it I went I turned around I wasn't going to leave and I don't know why I even dared my I, I think I've left it in the past this time I turned around and I said, okay, show me. I couldn't, okay, I just stood there, Alex. I had my arms folded, tapping my foot. I said, okay, show me. And the wall faded. It was almost got to be like it was a two-way mirror, and then it disappeared, and then the bathroom was all there. I said, thank you. <laughs> so what the hell is that supposed to mean? That's all I want to know. Huh, yeah, I don't know. I, I want to hang out with you, though, apparently. You have more stuff happening than I do. So. <laughs> I have some stuff. Uh, and it's, if you're in what, okay, let's say it's with me, it's happened with me and my grandson. But if we're together, yeah. we have a phenomena of operating in two worlds at the same time. They, yeah. they, some odd stuff's happened. Anyway, uh, I was just going to show you. So you were, uh, let's go back to your book, because you have covered everything. This has gotten uh, five-star reviews. And um, you're covering everything. And you even went to uh, talking about uh, Madame LaLaurie and uh, New Orleans and all that. Do you want to cover a little bit about that, what you found? Yeah, it was uh, part of the reason, you know, I covered that is because I've always wanted to go there. And I was hoping to book with interest some uh, producers that, you know, to pay for my trip up there, which hasn't really happened yet. But, um yeah, I mean, that's a, it's, unfortunately, I don't think you can go up there now. I think it's a privately owned, last I checked. 
but yeah, she was, um, you know, she was the toast of the town, and, you know, she was known for having lavish parties, and um, everybody loved her, and, you know, but she had a lot of uh, servants slash slaves, and uh, she had a little room upstairs, and she loved to torture them. I mean, you, you know, you name it, the more gruesome you could possibly even ever imagine it was it was happening up there, you know? So, you know, yeah. eventually, uh, as she was found out, there was a fire, and I think the firemen went up there, and they found, you know, the, you know, the, what was left? The poor the people slave. Up there at, yeah, and that's how it stopped. And eventually, she was never prosecuted. Last I, uh, I think what I read, she ended up moving to Paris or, you know, it was, I'm sure she paid somebody off. She was very rich at the time. So anyway, so since that happened, I mean, that, that place has been known for, people have been hearing screams inside the location. They've been hearing the sounds of chains because, you know, people were chained up there. Uh, I mean, they've been seeing apparitions. They've been, you know, obviously the, all the stuff. All the typical stuff, right? Cold spots, things playing around. But, uh, yeah, a lot of auditory uh, events happening, you know, with the screens that people can hear. I guess that was, I heard this graphic. People could hear, like, the chains being dragged on the ground, you know, in the hallway yeah. and there's nobody there, you know? And that was interesting to me because, you know, if there's a sound, it's something you can kind of record and then you can work with that. And, I mean, I, I think it's probably one of the most intense spots in the country, I would think. Oh yeah, really. It's uh yeah. it's strange that uh you know the famous um woman um what's her name? Madam you know, the witch which the the most famous witch over there, everybody follows Catherine? her. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I yeah, had okay. yeah, Marie uh Marie uh, uh anyway, I had her great granddaughter on and we actually met at a VFW meeting. And uh, we were at, doing karaoke anyway. We, t- we liked each other a lot. And then she said, what's your, my, she said, what's your name? I told her my name. She said, you're not of the paranormal sacred. I went, yeah, that's me. And she said, oh, my God, I follow your show. She said, you know who I am? I'm, I'm Matt, you know, Madam whatever. I'm her great-granddaughter. And and she, she consented to be on the show. But she said that all these hauntings and all this stuff and that goes on with the, the grandmother actually was passed down to everybody. Yeah. I think that woman had about 19 kids and then had another whole set, another 15. I don't know. It's outrageous in our children. But yeah. uh, they, the gifts that she had are still in the family. Like all those huh. descendants in New Orleans and wherever they moved, you know, of course, some California, everywhere. But they all have the same gifts. And, you know, the people that we're talking about is now being portrayed on that series uh, Haunted. Yeah. What's the name of it? Yeah, that crazy, the horror story. Oh, my God, that I love that stuff. It's, it's creeping me out, but about yeah. the witches and the whole, have you followed any of it? Like horror story, modern uh, horror story or whatever that is? No, you know what? I had it on my DVR. I never got around to starting it. And then my DVR broke, so I lost all my recording. So I'll have oh, to. Oh, damn it. I have to check it. Yeah, I just got. In fact, I just got Netflix two weeks ago, so I'm catching up on stuff. Hey, cool. But, hey, you got to get up with it, Alex. Because yeah, I've been on Netflix just, quite a while. Yeah, I know. Right? There's only so many hours <laughs> in a day, though. You know. I know you're too busy. You're out there foraging but, out there in the in the buildings and in the woods and the. You know what I mean? I'm over here in front of the TV. Yeah. And it's not right. But anyway, <laughs> now I know that you were involved with. Uh, uh, cryptozoology and uh, stuff like that, and it's your favorite thing, and uh, you want to focus on Africa. Could you tell us uh, uh, your your stories about Africa and uh, what you found out about the cryptoids down there? 
Yeah. What are they? And, well, my main area of interest was uh, something called Mokere Membe. Now, it's been speculated that it's a uh, you know, dinosaur that survived you know, the extinction from 65 million years ago. That, that remains to be seen. But here's a story behind that. Uh, it, I, it, it started coming out of Africa when the, the missionaries were in Central Africa you know, a few hundred years ago, and they started coming upon these huge tracks by the rivers and this huge retail track they couldn't identify, and then they started having sightings of this big animal about the size of a hippo, long neck, small head, powerful tail. And you have to remember, this was before the people knew what dinosaurs were. The term dinosaur was coined in 1842, I believe. I yes. think the first fossil was uncovered, I want to say, early 1820s, I think 1822. Uh, Gideon Mantel, I believe it was. So, and, you know, these sightings were, were happening in the 1700s. And uh, a professor from Chicago, which I heard about when I was in school down there, uh, had an expedition, Roy McCall had an expedition in the 80s. And uh, so I went to the library, and, you know, at the time I didn't know anything about it. I got his book. I uh, I stole it. I never returned it. Claimed I lost it. Because, <laughs> you know, it was before Amazon. So, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I'm <laughs> yeah, so I've never told that story publicly. So, yeah. I'm doing the only thing I ever stole. <laughs> the only thing I ever stole in my life. I st- mine still haunts me because the library closed down, and then now I see it opened up, and I'm thinking it was that book, uh, The Collector, had a butterfly in the front of it, and I stole yeah. it when I was like 15, and uh, I really should go in there and confess, but I don't, I'm not sure how much overdue uh, <laughs> $25,000. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, right. go ahead. So anyway, so you know, so he went down to the Congo. Uh, at the time, all the sightings were taking place around a place called Lake Kelly, which is, uh, if you picture the middle of nowhere, I mean, that's about one of the most remote spots on the planet. Wow. So we went down there and, you know, the locals, oh. mostly, mostly pygmy tribes, live around there. And, you know, they've all, yeah, they're all familiar with the animal. They go, yeah, yeah, we see it. It's called Mokere Membe. It's got, a, you know, size of a hippo, long neck, small head. So Macau never saw the animal. And then, uh, so I decided, you know, I was done with school. I'm going to go down there and start an expedition. And, um, I, you know, just go, right? So um, yeah. I actually got a director uh, together, a French director who had worked with National Geographic. We got, you know, spent two years on this. Never ended up going. But uh, in the meantime, I had people on site, you know, checking out these reports. Because, you know, yeah, there's a book. And this guy was well-suspected, you know, professor. But you still got to make sure. This is legit, you know? And, yeah, I was coming. People were coming back with firsthand stories of, like, of seeing this animal. Apparently, it's very common in the morning, and a lot of fishermen see it because it, um, when they're fishing around 5, 6 o'clock in the morning, that's when the animal eats. It lacks, it lacks its palumbo fruit, which is on the side of the river. And the majority of sightings are just the neck that comes out of the water, and, you know, and they be seen this animal uh, grab the fruit. And uh, the fishermen actually are really disliked these animals because they interfere with their fishing. That's how, you know, mundane it is for them in that sense. And uh, so I started mapping a lot of the, um, a lot of the sightings and uh, obviously they're diminishing as the decades go on. And then, but also somebody from uh, one of the Congolese told me, you have to look for the West. Like most of the sightings are unreported because, you know, often you get, you know, stuck in the internet down there. So, 
Yeah. These animals, a lot of animals live in small pools west of the lake, and they're, most of the species seems to be heading towards Cameroon. And uh, so now I switched my emphasis towards Cameroon and the border with the Congo. It's a little bit safer in Cameroon anyway, not, you know, not much safer in Africa. But, um, and then, so anyway, I started, you know, collecting more and more sightings. And I noticed that the animals on the other side of the border in Cameroon are a little bit bigger, and they've been described having a dermal ridge. So my theory was that a lot of the sightings in around Lake Taylor in the Congo, which were smaller animals, are actually the female of the species. And I, I would assume that maybe they go there to get birth, and then everybody heads back west, which would explain why, because there are actually no sightings of dermal ridges on the Congo side of the of the river. All, all the sightings are back in Cameroon and Gabon. You know, yeah. So, so I think most of the animals are actually people have been looking in the wrong place. You've had like I don't know five, six expeditions since then, all going to Lake Tele, and I think they're all going to the wrong place. I think you have to go a little bit further west than that. And sure enough, you know, I still occasionally still get sightings from deep in the jungle of uh, these animals. You know, they they spend most of the time in the water. Occasionally, you know, they'll come out, see some of the plants, and then you know, I mean, they they got four legs and they have three toes. I have some of the I have some of the pictures of the footprints, in fact. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's fascinating because you're dealing with an area that's pretty much remained unchanged in 65 million years, right? I mean, crocodiles are older yes. than dinosaurs. You know, you have, the, you have the lungfish that's older than dinosaurs that exist in the region. There's a lot of primitive animals that have never really evolved, you know? Now, it's so strange, then, you know, the whole, lungfish, too. Weird. I'm sorry? Because the lungfish will walk out on the shore. Yeah, they can be, they swim. Yeah. But they'll come out. Yeah, they, it's just all, so odd to yeah, me, that part. Yeah, they know they climb trees. You know, it's it's a very primitive uh, species. So if there's any place on the planet where you're going to find a primitive animal, even though I'm not 100% sold in the dinosaur hypothesis, but if you think about it, dinosaurs really never went extinct because birds are descendants of dinosaurs. So if one type of dinosaur were able like to... Like alligators. Yeah. Well, alligators actually been older. And, you know, they obviously they never went extinct, so... And then, you know, and then as the years went on, I started doing more and more research, and I started realizing that a lot of ancient cultures all over the world have cave paintings and tells of animals that resemble Mokere Membe. I mean, I have, I have a painting from 5,000 years ago on the Amazon. I've got a cave painting from North America. You know, I've, there's, mm-hmm. uh, there's ancient paintings done, you know, in ancient Greece and Rome that depicting, you know, them hunting these animals. There's... There's depictions of the animals in Cambodia at a temple. You know, obviously, most of these places have been long extinct. But, I mean, you know, in the Congo, I think, you know, I think it's still there. I really do. So I'm trying to kind of resurrect that project. But, you know, it's not easy because it's a, it's a tough region, no. so to speak. How did you prepare yourself to go down there? Uh, well, like I said, it was two years. It was like, you know, I just I just did my homework. And we had, we had a really good crew. We had... um. Actually, we had a couple of, uh, we had some Russian pilots, we had two helicopters, we had some, uh, we had actually, we had a plane, we had, uh, I'm drawing a blank name of the plane, a silent plane, right, no, no motor, and we had some infrared cameras on board, so we can go silent over the jungle and not disturb the animal. We had, um, we had a submersible, I mean, two years of planning, it was about, you know, it was probably the best funded expedition you could possibly ever imagine before. And wow, all under. It was uh, the scary part was the list of dangers, you know, like all the all the things that can happen to you, all the all the shots that you need, and all you know, 
all the things there's no cure for, you know, like a black mamba and things like that. So exactly. It's, you know, the thing is, you, you have to be realistic. You got something's going to happen. You got you know, you got to just hope that you can go there and make it back, and then head to the hospital and get off the plane. Well, what was your impression of the people down there? Because when I, well, I, I meet uh, people like that, they're very, very sweet to me, like gracious. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I never made it down there. That's the thing. I spent two months in Paris. That's as far as I got. I never got on the plane <laughs> to the Congo. I waited two months. You know, I saw the beach in Paris, waited, waited, and then, you know, it was production for me. Oh, my God. Yeah, I had bad dreams about the Congo. That's why I was asking you about it because – yeah. Um, I started having a series of very bad dreams about people, you know, running all all night and not and only sleeping during the day and then all these yeah. people dead in trucks and all this other crap and then it turned out to be the Hitus and the Tutsis and uh you know, it was really yeah. happening. Because when I was with my husband I used to have to process it with him. I said, Honey, I gotta tell you something so horrible because I can't have it inside of me and I would tell him and he's just, like, horrified, like I'm nuts. And then it turned out yeah. he opened the newspaper one day and he came and showed me. He said, you're not going to believe it. Here it is. And I went, this is true. These poor people, you know, uh, never safe, never can lay your head down, you know, and only sleeping yeah. during the day. That's what was going on back then. It's a horrible, horrible thing, you know. So, yeah, well, we know it's still going on. Oh, it's constant. There's been more deaths in Central Africa than all of World War II combined. Yeah, it's horrible. In the last, yeah, in the last twenty years, so it's a tough, yeah, it's a tough region. You know, that's why it's so hard. I think to, well, first of all, it's hard to convince someone to spend money to get down there because of the risks involved. You know, and then obviously I'm not giving up, but yeah, yeah, we just gotta have to uh, uh, get befriend somebody on the inside. You know what I mean? Start here and be prepared. It sounds like you're very prepared, but. You're gonna actually have to meet somebody on the inside somehow. You know, they have some kind of clout, so you can get in there without being killed. Really. Yeah. And I wish the, you the luck with have, that. Yeah, the other problem you have is because uh, you know, the good guys, the army, are the army one day, the next day they're freedom fighters in Africa. That's how fast things change. Yeah. So you want to make you you want to make sure you know doesn't turn on yeah. you when you're down there. But that's the deal. Well, it's all about, you know, gain and money and uh, power. So it's the same old crap all the time. And uh, that one, uh, they're really into head chopping. So you've got to be really careful. You know, really. Yeah. Not, so, yeah. Yeah. I've got real concern with that area. So I, I have no no interest in it. I want to know everything down there. I just don't want to be there at all. But even yeah. in my dreams, when I had to go there, it was pretty horrible. So. Yeah. I don't even know what kind of dreaming that is, but it, I do it all the time. That's another thing. Oh, yeah, well, like, yeah, productive dreaming. Different. Okay, let me ask you a question about it. Yeah. Do you think when something big like that's happening in the world that people do pick up on it, even if they're remote from that, the where it's happening? I think you can. I mean, I don't, but I think I really believe that it's possible, absolutely. I think, I think it's a lot more interconnectedness, you know, Exactly. Right, and then I think certain individuals are able to pick up on that. Certain events are strong enough that more people can pick up on that. You know, I mean, I think, and that transcends, I think, you know, space and time, and so, you know, which is essentially what remote viewing turned out to be, right? That stability. Yep. 
to pick up on, you know, on that. I think it's sort of like, uh, do you akin it to, like, how people get healed by prayer and by healers? That uh, maybe it's a a similar line of uh, whatever, because I think that even that is a purpose, like, you start praying for people. Let's say something's going on like that. I was praying for those people, but it was so overwhelming, I finally had to ask my higher power to take it away from me. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, it was too savage, and uh, it turned out to be just as bad as I was dreaming, or worse. You know, it was bad. You know, so. Yeah. Anyway, so this brings us to another part of your book that I'm enjoying, is the out of body experience. So you tell a story about the blue nun, and she yeah. was, yeah, Sister Marie de Jesus Aguida. Born in Spain, April of 1602. You want to tell us about her? You want to like talk about yeah. that? Yeah, a little bit. I'm a little bit hazy. It's been a while since I go over that case. But yeah, essentially, she um, she was a nun who claimed to have, uh, I believe, what we call it today, bivocation, right? Because you go to these two places at once. Yeah. And um, anyway, when the conquistadors um, or the missionaries, I can't recall exactly. Who was ending up in the um, in the Americas, North America, and Central America? They came upon some of the natives that you know, and they were trying to you know uh, turn into the Catholic religion and all that. And uh, and the you know natives had never met you know black people people ever, you know, first time. And they're like, yeah, 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 this is the blue lady here. He told us all about Jesus and all that, you know. And um. Yeah, so essentially, and I forgot exactly how the whole case about. Uh, okay, she was, was uh, she was a Franciscan, which is yeah. very interesting, and uh, she had a, a vision since the age of eighteen, and uh, they, she was seen different places, two places at once. Yeah. It's kind of like what we were talking about before, where right. I never knew that thing was possible, but. Uh, I have experienced that too, so that's why I identified a lot with your book. And uh, right. go ahead. Well, yeah, no, for you absolutely. I think what's interesting in that is that if you get a case like hers, it shows that there's a typicality to the phenomenon, whether it's by location or out of body experience. I mean, you can interact with the environment physically, and uh, as soon as that happens, obviously it gives you you can start studying this if you can set up an experiment where. You can kind of conduct where someone's going to bind locate to some of the out-of-body experience and they're going to be able to go. You can start measuring that environment, see if they're both, you know, be able to touch somebody or move an object or, you know, and, and obviously, and, you know, if it's an energy, it can be measured, right? Yes, yes. So, and I think, you know, and one of the reasons I've been so interested in out-of-body experiences is that possibility to take it sort of to the next, to the next level, right? It's not just, you know, you know, people have stories about leaving your body and they see this and they're, you know, they're counting grandmother that died 100 years before. It's, it's the mm-hmm. cases where other people perceive them or stop them or they, you know, interact with or they move objects, you know, because that, so it's just that physicality, you, you think it's a whole other level, right? Yeah. And there's a whole, you know, and that's, to me, that's fascinating, you know? It's so fascinating and that I believe that someday it's going to be able, you're going to be able to calculate it. You know, it's calculable. They're going to be able to test this energy and uh, somehow measure it and things like that, that they're going to be able to tell it's going on. You know, yeah. I think we're moving closer to stuff like that because of all the what the scientists are doing and messing with. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Soviets started heading that direction in the 70s and 80s, you know, before. And then uh, I'm not sure what happened. We don't, you know, you know they ran out of money or after the wall came down, obviously that stopped. But um, they were able to measure. And, you know, honestly, I think whether you're, you know, people call it different things, right? Our body experience, remote viewing, but essentially the ability to interact or go someplace without your physical senses. It's just a different name, I think, but they're very similar or at least the same thing. And uh, same thing with, you know, with like PK, where people are able to move objects without, without being yeah. there. So essentially, it's like you're sending your consciousness somewhere to move an object. And the students ran a lot of experiments with that. And they, um, in fact, various, very task has a system of, uh, I can't remember, Kojina or Kojina, one of the Russian uh, psychics. And they were measuring the energy. And the students were able to measure energy where the objects were being moved, but not in between. So there's energy source emanating from the, from the lady, the psychic, and energy at the source, which is able to move, you know, needles and small things, right? But nothing yeah. in between, which is, you know, kind of incredible, and then, really. Yeah, and then she would fade and she would get tired, you know. And, but, um, and yeah, unfortunately, no one ever followed up on that, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, well, you have in here, it says the, the blue nun claimed that she visited the New World over 500 times, right. but her body yeah. never left the convent. And yeah. uh, when if the Franciscans officially arrived in the New World and, uh, you know, into the Southwest, they were greeted with tales of the Blue Lady and that 50,000 people already were ready to be baptized. They were waiting. Yeah. Don't you find that in- incredible? It brought kind of tears to my eyes. You know, yeah, because I mean, its meaning is deep. We were talking about this when we first started this conversation. Things mean more than you yeah. realize. Yeah. You know, it's not like a trick or a carnival thing. It, it's their purpose behind these things. Yeah, and then it's like, you know, and I'm amazed no one's really ever cover that story more because, you know, I mean, there's no other way to explain it, right? Once they never met people, the people from the West before, you know, the, the natives. So there's no other way to explain it, you know? It's, yes. You know, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's not a great story, but. It's a beautiful story, really. I yeah. appreciated it being in here. And uh, when you were growing up, was there any kind of phenomena going on in your house or any kind of gift that anybody has? Cause you're well, a seeker, definitely, you know, so you yeah, have well, that. That's a gift to me. Like my mom was actually, I've actually, um, I've seen writing on her arms. And uh, I've been next year one time, and then uh, this was actually recent, it was only like eight, nine years ago. And then um, mm-hmm. reading, I was visiting her, she lived in France, my mom was French, I was born in France, and I grew up here in L.A. Uh, so I was, you know, I went to business, and then, you know, the radio was on, we're having lunch, and all of a sudden this big boom comes out of the speakers. And then the knife, my mom's knife just started vibrating on the plate at like, you know, super speed, so to speak. My God. And then she starts start getting writing on the on her arm, you know, I, I heard there's like an A there. The rest I couldn't really make it out. It was just kind of like lines. It's kind of hard to tell. So she's always had, you know, that happen to her. And uh, in fact, she was, it was we were in uh, Brittany. This was about twelve, thirteen years ago. This was a case I called the girl that wasn't there. I don't know if you saw okay. the pictures that I posted. Yeah. So we were um, we're doing research for just a completely different subject, but so we went. It's an area where there's a lot of legends about fairies and King Arthur and, you know, and then there's a, 
we were next to this place called the Lake of the Fairies. And, you know, there was a lot of stories in that area about strange things, people, you know, disappearing or anyway, you know, the whole deal. So we're down there. We've been hiking for about a, a time, uh, maybe half an hour, 45 minutes. We're pretty deep in the forest. And we come upon this path, and my mom is like, hey, I feel weird, you know. And she starts getting this kind of like almost riding on the arm once again. And so I'm like, well, let's just take a bunch of pictures just in case, you know. Start snapping away, mm-hmm. start snapping away. At the time, this was still, you're still using 35 millimeters, so I could get it developed later on. And then, you know, we stood there for about 20 minutes, and it was, it was like, it's one trail. So if there's somebody else there, we would have seen him. There's no way to get in and out of that area. There's like a little, kind of like a wooden fort looking thing on one side. There's like a little room on the left of us, I remember. So there's literally nowhere to go. So I took a bunch of pictures, and, you know, didn't see anything, right? So we left. And I got the pictures developed, and in one of the pictures on the left corner, there was a person standing there, uh, a woman with, like, long um, red hair and a coat. Looks, you know, looked very modern, literally just staring mm-hmm. right at the camera. And um, there was absolutely nobody there. And, oh, my God. It was just, I mean, I, you know. Well, she looked I, modern, right? Yeah, very modern. That's the worst thing about it. Obviously, she's aware of us being there. She's, like, staring right at us. You can see it, you know, even in the picture. She's literally staring at me taking the picture. It's I mean, And was she all in black? No, her coat was kind of uh, bluish, dark, really dark okay. blue. And the rest was kind of, you know, she's kind of between the foliage and the trees, so it's kind of hard to tell what else she was wearing. But I can tell it's definitely like a modern blue coat, almost kind of like a, you know, one-color skiing jacket type of thing, just a little bit thinner, yeah. and, you know, and I just, you know, long, I could even tell the color of her hair was long and red, and she was just staring right at us, and, I mean, wow, I, and you I both saw her, it. no, we didn't see anything until the pictures were developed, oh, until the picture, oh, that's the weird thing, I had no idea she was there, and like I said, we were there for 20 minutes, and there's actually no way for somebody to come in and out without us seeing it, because it was one, like, kind of like a small trail. There's only one way in, one way out. Like after the river, there's a little uphill, and then it was a cliff. So she would have to climb, you know, the cliff to just get there and stare and stare at us. And I knew we would have seen her. She wasn't, wasn't that far away. So yeah. So you know, my mom's always kind of had that gift, I guess, or just never. She was never too far from you know that sort of thing. And um, right. yeah, but I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, that's probably one of the best pictures. And I'm not just saying that because I took it. But one of the best pictures in, of you know, for lack of a better term, a ghost that I've ever seen. That's awesome. Like you have that posted? It's Did yeah. Post I put it, it on Facebook. I put it on Facebook. It's the last thing I posted yeah, today. I gotta that, go find it. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll go look at it. And yeah, because I saw that dinosaur that you had. There was like a little uh, picture of a little headed, small headed dinosaur. I thought that was kind of incredible because it has to be thousands of years old, but it's kind of modern to me. You know, I love that art, the cave art. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I like I like to sort of have like a, a solid base behind me when I have a theory, and uh, yeah. I didn't even realize how how common like dinosaur art, ancient dinosaur art, whether it's like you know figurines from you know thousand years ago or just cave art, is common around the world. You know, just depicting animals that no one should have known about back in those days. You know. Yeah, it really is. Uh... 
And it's so, some of it's so beautiful, and the colors are, I don't know what they originally were, but they're just so yeah. uh, beautiful and peaceful to look like. There's some really good artists back in the ages, you know, thousands of years ago. They had some really cool artists. And yeah. uh, I, I know it mostly been, it must have been depicting for religious reasons or maybe telling a story or uh, anyway, but I, I'm just so happy that these things are preserved because it means a lot to us. And, and it's weird because, you know, they did the, they found a lot of cave art in France, and the, then they found out people, Neanderthals are in France, and then they found out people were related, blood kin to the Neanderthals that were in the cave. Yeah. That's, that's weird. I don't know if you you remember that study or not. I read that one. I was like, oh, man, that's weird. People in the village are still related to the guys that were in the cave. They're still there. It's only been thousands yeah. of years, and they're still in the same town. Yeah, I mean, Andrew tells me extinct 35,000 years ago, so it's, you know, yeah, it's been a while, but that's the... <laughs> it's been a while, yeah, that's for sure, because I've really only been in the same place. I moved to Hermosa Beach, and I was there 35 years, but that's my limit. You know, I'm yeah, right. off and going again. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So, you know, uh, it's, it's uh, very strange to me, the things that are going on and the intention behind it, and, you know, it's... It's really, it's thrilling. So um, uh, uh, you've really touched upon in your book about the near-death experience. And uh, what is your concept of the near-death experience? And have you uh, experienced anything like it? Or, uh, you know, what's your thoughts on it? And what's your, your, uh, you know, your belief system on this? You know, I never have personally. But, um, well, you know, it... When I was um, in high school, I read the, believe it or not, the debating book of the dead. And yeah. then, um, wow. Yeah, uh, I was a different kind of kid. But, um, and so that turned, turned me on to the idea of being able to see these other realms and in the death experience. And then I started, you know, reading some of you know, the books everybody else has read and all that. And, and I just it really fascinated me that you could see beyond, you know, to death. And then, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it signifies, you know. Go ahead. But what's, yeah. what's super interesting to me is that it's, it's the story, whatever your religious background is, whatever your culture is, the stories are similar from all, from all over the world. You know, the you know, you're clinically dead or close to it, and you see the tunnel you're going to go through. Yeah. And you meet as individuals. I mean, people have described seeing, you know, kind of cities. And, I mean, you know, granted, some of those stories are probably just electrical brain activity and hallucinations, obviously. You know, they're not. But all the stories are so similar from culture to culture. Because there's no such thing as mass hallucination. Everybody that hallucinates is very specific to that individual. Because yeah, I don't believe in mass hallucination. Either. Right? It's based I don't on believe in either. Yeah, because yeah. it's based on your experiences, your culture, and, you know, that taints what your hallucination is going to be. That hallucination doesn't exist. I mean, you look it up, psychology is no such thing. So once you start having people that see the same thing and experience the same, the same event, you know, the tunnel, you meet someone who's come out of the tunnel, then you start questioning about whether something's really going on. And then, and, we're, and it's in where I want to take it, and I might be a little ambitious here, but... It goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the out-of-body experience and the physicality. Yeah. Now, you have to assume that whatever part of us 
you know, escapes the body and is responsible for these experiences, whether it's an out-of-body experience or a near-death experience, it's the same mechanism, right? So if there's a physicality to the out-of-body experience, there's a physicality to the near-death experience. Now, as soon as there's physicality, you can start thinking about, well, I wonder if we can record the experience somehow, whether we could film the experience somehow. I realize we're, you know, we're maybe decades from being able to do that, but I think it's important to start looking in that direction. I mean, think about it. What if, you know, we could have micro cameras or some kind of recording device and be able to bring pictures back, you know, if we can bring yeah. people back. So, I mean, I think, I, I know it sounds crazy, but if you want to start looking forward and you want to forward this field, that's how you got to start thinking, you know? And that's mm-hmm. what actually that idea is. That idea fascinates me. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm almost willing to, you know, almost die just to have the experience. Now, I don't know, you know, I don't know legally if it's possible, but, you know, like, uh, what was that? It was like Flyliners. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I, I, uh, you know, I've have experienced this, and I didn't know I had a heart problem, but I've experienced it throughout my life. So I think I've died in my sleep a few times, and then uh, I have experienced what everybody's saying, and uh, the most recent one was uh, in January, and that's how I found out that I that I have uh, like a thyroid condition thing. Right. I, I, I went to the hospital because of this, this this dream. So the dream was I was going down a long hall, and I was saying I'm tired, you know, and how long do you have to be in this hall? To me, I guess in my dream, this life is like a hallway. You know, when did yeah. I get to the real stuff? Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I, and this, there, I had this little guide, and it was this little guy that looked like a, he was in khakis, and he was dressed as neat as a pin. He had like a little black belt and black shoes and real shiny shoes and uh, black hair. He's just, you know, he's around five, five seven at the most. And at yeah. times he would walk backwards, but he was encouraging me. You know, come on, let's keep going, keep going. And so I kept going because of him because he kept telling me to keep going. It could have been a zoo guide, really. That's what he looked like, like a guide. But I thought my, a person's guide should be looking like an angel, but mine looks like he worked at the zoo. But anyway, so I was walking I was following him, and then uh, he stopped me for one second before I turned around this corner. Uh, he stopped me, and he looked at me, and he said, well, soon, but not now. So that was kind of my answer to what I was saying. Am I going to pass yeah. away yet? And he said, yeah. soon, but not now. So anyway, I went around the corner, and there was heaven. I could yeah. see it. It looked like Yosemite with diamonds all over it. It was so gorgeous that I heard myself say, oh, my God. And I heard, and it woke me up, and um, I realized there was a message there that you're really sick, first of all. <laughs> you better get to the hospital, which I did. It's weird. Yeah. It turned out that I had a, a few problems. But then I started thinking about soon, what he meant by soon. And I think what that means in heaven, it means a lot different than here. You know, I'm probably going to be around in the 20 years I told my kids to say, yeah. you know, I had this feeling that I'm still going to, I'm not leaving like right now. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah. there's those, there's something that I found out. I was interviewing, um, oh, my God, his books are so fantastic. He's the one the coined out-of-body experience. I can't believe I forgot his name. I interviewed him twice. I don't know. Anyway, and I'm following a guy. But he said there's a shared end review, you know, that, that they had been right. in a room, yeah. and a person has been with another person, and uh, I I... I'm so uh, shocked by that concept 
you know, because we're taught we're brought to a room and we read a big book or whatever. But right. they're saying that you have a shared uh, out-of-body experience and the end. What, do you, what have you heard about this? No, it's fascinating. It, I mean, it's the same stories. It's just, you know, there's some of the looks yeah. and some of the things are slightly different. But if you look at the, at the journey you took, it's identical to what everybody else has said, you know, from the long hallway to the, to the tunnel, or could be the tunnel, right? You meet somebody at the end. You, you yes. Know, they'll tell, you know, you, they, they give you some info about your life, you know, and they're usually telling you it's not time yet and that sort of thing. It's, it's the same, everybody has the same story, you know, and it's, it's fascinating, yeah. It's weird, huh? It yeah. is, I've and had... it was so real. And uh, yeah. I think you're just too young. It's not you're not near anywhere near it yet. And then ha- you know, but I think that when I started, though, when that first happened, I was about 24, and uh, I yeah. didn't really take heart medication until 10 years later. So I think uh, I always had like an irregular heartbeat, and I think it stopped that night. And that's when right. I had my first, where I actually was going to heaven, and then. As soon as I thought about my kids, man, I was slammed right back here again. Yeah. And it was very yeah. uncomfortable coming back. Because when you're free in this world, you're really free. I mean, when it's your time. Right, yeah. I don't know what happens yeah. if you end yourself or something like that. But, you know, there's yeah. a beautiful uh, eternal experience out there. So that's that really helped me because yeah. I was young. It helped, helped me stay on the right path, which I've been been on. Yeah. You know, and uh, I've stuck to that mostly. You know, I, I always screw up because yeah. I'm a... More of a interested person, you know, something in the mix all the time, you know. So you stick That's your neck fun. out, you're going to get it chopped. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot more it's fun, a lot but more man. Fun. You get your lumps, yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's a lot more fun, but you get your lumps, you know. Yeah. And you get taught your lessons and get a good whipping, whatever it is, you know. And it always depends on what your weakness is. That's where you get <laughs> <it> whipped. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> punishment to I'm follow. I'm saying, I don't know what. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything anyway. I'm psychic on top of it. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, this is a human condition. This is why I basically love humans so much because uh, we get ourselves in so many jams and we're really dang and determined and we think we're right until you're in it and then you're thinking and like, oh my God, I made this wrong move. You know, thank God for the grace that keeps yeah. us going, you know, because there's always a forgiveness and grace that helps us keep trucking no matter what, you know, because I have made yeah. plenty of mistakes, and I don't understand people who say they don't have any regrets. I don't get that. I don't actually understand them. Like, what do you mean you don't have any regrets? I have plenty of things I would do over, you know, well, yeah, or some really things true. I would I not do. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody doesn't have any regrets. I think that's a defense mechanism. <laughs> you know? You're right. Yeah, and I'm real yeah. aware that I got, you know, like what happened over with the with the guys uh, in the group. Uh, we were there Wednesday night. We just got word from the Bureau of Prisons that they're going to have to start wearing ankle bracelets, all of them. And it was yeah. kind of de- de- demoralizing because everybody there has already been through the program. They're already been, you know, paid their time and did all that. And they've already right, been yeah. to prison some 27 years. So now you're out, you're going to put a bracelet on them? Yeah. So we all felt kind of bad. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's backward, but that's what the federal government wants, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I hope they don't fire me because I'm not ready yet. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so it just was hurtful, you know. But then we just we vented for the whole thing, talking about this bracelet thing, and it's going to yeah. alter, you know, their reality and what they think about themselves and what their family and employers think. 
Because just think, oh, also you show up with a bracelet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, uh, absolutely, yeah. That so it's changed the air in the room. You know, you yeah. know what I mean? Because I'm a substance abuse uh, counselor, and that's what I do over there. But now it's kind of the yeah. room's changed where they're being punished all the time, and uh, it's not good because they need to get on their feet and get to work, and you know, stay out of the criminal zone. You know, but yeah, because um, all, all, yeah, all of a sudden they're not people on the way to recovery or getting better. No, all of a sudden they're back exactly. And they're they just sent them back. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's just like uh, treating them like a dog, and they're all downtrodden and everything else. And I just tell them, you know, it's another hurdle you have to overcome, and this is one of the smacks of life that you have to learn to cope with. And it does hurt, and it is embarrassing. Yeah. I don't know why they're doing it. It's because a couple of jerks will do stuff. They divert. You know, they're supposed to have home confinement, and they'll run around all night, you know, but you should do it to them, not everybody. Yeah, yeah, you know, I agree, yeah. So, anyway, so that's kind of, I have to think of a way to just uh, help everybody cope with that. Because I'm telling you, I don't know if I can stand uh, having something like that on me all the time, tracking me. Yeah, could you imagine? Yeah, I can't. I, I couldn't. You know? I can't. I can't. That's why I've never been into crime, really. Or I would have robbed a few banks. But anyway, <laughs> so I'm not. Yeah, you're going to uh, do it. Go big. Hello? Yeah, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead. Okay, that's thought went silent for a second there. Yeah. Yeah, the sound was gone for a second. So if you're going to, I guess, uh, you know, it's just part of life's lesson. And, you know, like you're really, what I admire about you is that you're really in the mix. And you're talking about it. And it sounds like uh, you have the integrity. And this is what I pick up from you. You have the strength and integrity to keep going on these things. You know, so you're barely, like, scratching the surface. There's, like, so much more to be done, you know, and we're looking for you to uh, have that integrity to keep going forward and don't make crap up because yeah. you're not. Because I well, can tell so the thanks. difference, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if you really think about it, this field is in its infancy. We're just barely scratching the surface, and you just said there's so much more we can do. Yep. And, you know, my my whole goal is to start, you know, heading in that direction, starting to, and, like, wake these people up, whether, you know, it's just people that read my book or producers or, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, let's, I, sometimes I get so frustrated. I hate where we're at, you know. It's like we're not making progress. Yeah. We're just, you know, and it's, it's, yeah, it just drives me crazy. As you can tell, I can't, you know. But Me too. That's, me too. I, I, I'm driven nuts by just how how backwards everybody's acting. You know what I mean? And how they can go ahead and burn down a church or how they can go hurt an animal. Like, what the hell? This is an ancient evil that's been, you know, creeping around forever, you know, and we're not past it yet. And, you know, I had, uh, when I was a kid, I used to think we'd be the Jetsons by now. We'd be jetting around and, you know what I mean? We'd eat things out of a little pill and everything would be perfect. And we'd be, I wanted one of those space cars. Yeah. We didn't get it. Damn it out to hell. But anyway, I don't know if I should have said that on the air. But anyway, so so talking about, okay, let's go into uh, the UFO zone. Do you mind? Would you like to talk about that? I'm sorry, what? You would like to talk about UFOs? Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, anything you want. Okay, so uh, I ha- I have you ever seen a UFO? I have, actually. I um I had an experience when I was nine, which is uh, sort of oh, like cool. one of the things, yeah. 
I uh, we uh we had a house here in uh in Los Angeles, um, and we were out in the backyard. Uh, we had the pool at the time, and uh, it was around midnight, and it was me, my mom, and one of her friends. Uh, yeah, I can't really remember who it was, but and this was shortly after uh close encounters, but you know, had come out, and I bought this game called Simon, and it was one of these games. You, it sort of reproduces the sounds from the movie. And you can just like. And you have to memorize the sound. You have to reproduce it. It was a game, you know. I loved that game as a kid. And because mm-hmm. it's kind of like the, like when they were communicating with the UFO at the end of the movie, I'm like, well, I'm going to yeah, this in that card. And I, was just, yeah. and I was doing that yeah. every day, you know. And then, anyway, so one night, that's what I was doing. I was out there, you know, kind of doing it. It was midnight. And then, you know, obviously I'm not saying this was a correlation between that and the sightings, but that's what I was doing. All of a sudden, this huge oval light just comes out over the pool. And it was, 10 feet above our heads, you know, about 30 feet across, completely 100% silent. You know, and I remember I'm looking at my mom and her friend in her mouth, so I kind of wide open, they're looking up. And to this day, I still ask my mom every year to make sure, you know, it didn't really happen. So we're looking at it, we're yeah. looking at it, 30 seconds, it, it stayed there, and then it just, and either it blinked out or just took off so fast that we couldn't see it, but there was no disturbance in the environment. So, you know, it, whatever technology you used to get out of the way, there's no wind, nothing. It was just gone one second to the next. So, you know, so we stood there. We talked about it a little bit. I was 10 years old at the time. And then um, that was that, you know. So two days later, I'm back in the uh, backyard once again. And a ball of light, so kind of like the size of a basketball, just kind of appeared in front of me. and starts going around me. It's circling and circling. And it disappears. And, uh, again, and one more day later, and this was the last thing that happened, I was uh, – I was looking up at the sky behind this cloud, and I could see three bright lights, like kind of like melon-colored to like you know, reddish-orange type of lights that just were behind the clouds, and then they were gone. And this was, I was nine to ten, yeah, and that was, uh, that was my first experience. But obviously this is a, I've had other experiences since then, but that was by far the most vivid and the most intense. I, I don't know what it is. It's just, you know, it's just some strange lights I saw. And, well, uh, the one over the pool seems so extraordinary to me uh, because you had a witness with you. And to me, yeah. that's really uh, a big deal, too, because I've seen so many things on my own. And if I didn't have yeah. a show and wasn't talking about things that go on every week, I would never have any record of it because then I would start yeah. forgetting about it, too. That's another thing. Right, if yeah. you don't journal, it leaves our minds because it's too extraordinary. and You're trying to make it fit in your brain. And, you know, some of the stuff doesn't compute. I think that's yeah. why somehow it fades or, or whatever, so I totally understand that. But I did have my, me and my best friend saw one. We were going down the yeah. 405 near Long Beach, and we saw the size of a Volkswagen. It was it was lower than a telephone pole, so it was very vivid, And we, but it was uh, gray. Yeah. And uh, if it was any darker, we would have never seen it. Those things could be flying around at dusk all the time. You'll never see one. You'll right. never get a right. picture yeah. of it, you know. Yeah. And the same yeah. thing about your thing. That's why I don't... Uh, you know, a lot of the photographs, you have to really be sure they're authentic because I, I think it would be extremely difficult to get a picture of what we've seen because it's extraordinary. How could you even concentrate to click on yeah, anything? Well, I yeah. could barely move. I was in a car, and I could barely move my body, close, you know, how you move towards a windshield. It was almost like yeah. I almost couldn't move, like I was yeah. paralyzed. I still did it, but it was it took an overwhelming amount of uh, will to just look at it. You know, yeah. and uh, it's it's uh, the they're real, 
what I saw had no sound whatsoever, no windows, no things like you could see how it was operating. You know, it was, it's traveling as smooth like butter. It was there was no pushing air around, nothing. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's weird that you brought up that tone, that ET tone, or the Close Encounters of the First Kind tone. Right. Yeah. You know why? Because about once a week over here, I'm near the refinery over here, they have something they're doing, and they play that whole song. It's loud. They go, do, <laughs> do, do, do. I'm thinking, yeah. they think this is funny or what? <laughs> For Thursday, yeah. I call my friends. She says, no, we hear that about once a week. It's when they're moving the big... Uh, I don't know, the big machinery around, and they start playing that tone. I think there's something going <laughs> on. And, and Dow Chemical Company was usually over here. It's disappeared. Yeah. It's turned to huh. another company. I don't know if you're keeping track of Dow, but I do. I always yeah, want to no, know I what's going know. on over there. Yeah. Yeah. Because ever since the Agent Orange thing and all that, that's, that's how long I've been watching Dow Company. But there's yeah. uh, sightings all over the world of the UFOs and um, do you feel like you've ever been uh, abducted? No, I really don't. I've never, you know, I, I, no, I, I don't have any of the signs. I, I don't okay. have any time, nothing, you know, at all. That's, and, you know, I'm sort of glad because obviously that's a whole other territory, but as an investigator, yeah. I, it's, it's a lot easier to be made more objective when you've had You're a little bit of right. experience, you know? If it's, if it's an experience where you've gone on, you've seen things, you know, even it's a lot different than when the phenomena comes to you, then you're a lot less objective, I think. So, yep. you know, and other people view you as less objective as well, you know. So when you try to, when you appear serious, it's, I think it hurts it a little bit. So I would even, yeah. if there was an inkling of that, I wouldn't pursue it for that reason. Yeah. I agree you know? because that's why I told you to keep doing what you're doing and, and, uh, yeah. Not that you need encouragement, but because there's those of us that are, are on the other side of it. You know, we don't have to look for it. They'll come in here and, just, and uh, yeah. you know, what do you do with this information? You know, it used to cause me extreme amount of trauma until, right, yeah. uh, and then it's me, my best friend, and her husband now. It's all three of us are having this happen, and uh, he's experienced some very odd things, and uh Apparently, I have a whole other house somewhere because my best friend, yeah. <laughs> she's been there. I said, have you, you I, I said, you know, okay, I dream about this other house. She says, yeah, I've been to your other house. I mean, I have a big house, right? She says, yeah. I, I was like, I cannot believe that, that uh, first of all, we've been friends for over 40 years. But, yeah. you know, we're able to say the same thing. It's, it's a it's a strange phenomena, you know, but... Uh, what do you think about the the cryptoids like werewolves and uh, traveling uh, animals that travel through time and stuff like that? What do you What do you think about that? What do you mean animals travel through time? I only brought okay. I okay. So I'm gonna tell now. This is a story I'm gonna tell you. It's one of the weirdest things I have to say. Okay, in my lifetime. So one time I was sleeping and I was sleeping facing the hallway, and my dog woke me up. And I looked at her, and she was sitting. Uh, you know, they have a, you know how dogs do a little sit that they're perfectly still and straight. She was sitting like that, uh-huh. and right, she yeah. was looking down the hallway. And I looked at her, and I went, "What's the matter?" And I looked down the hallway. There was a big black wolf standing in the hallway. I mean, this sucker was huge with long fur, 
And he was looking at her. He looked at me, and he seemed to have, like, an intelligence. You know what I mean? It was like, he looked at me like, oh, man. And he looked at her and said, you woke her up. That's what he looked like in his eyes. And then what I did is I was so petrified, I grabbed her, and I put her under the covers. I literally sat up, grabbed her, put her under the covers, and put the covers over my head. That's how I, you know, deal with all of it, whether I'm being abducted, whether I see a scary yeah. movie, whether I see the wolf in the house. Yeah. Blankets save me every time. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know why our reaction is like that because it's so stupid. It's not going to say, but it seems to work because you go right back to sleep. So right. anyway, yeah. I talked to a, a cryptozoologist, um, and she uh, she said there is uh incredible story because I told her because it just happened. It had just happened three weeks before I did an interview with her. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm so uh, forgetful of everything. But anyway, um, she said these, just what I said, these these certain wolves and animals, she said most of their wolves are showing up at people's houses. And she doesn't know if they're traveling interdimensionally, but I'm not the only one that's ever yeah. said that. Because I thought yeah. I was some kind of big freak. You know, okay, yeah. there's a wolf yeah, in the house, how bizarre. So she said, no, they're showing up in people's yards, but that seems kind of normal. But they're showing up in people's kitchens, like they're just looking at you. And then they're looking around. I'm telling you, this guy was huge. I, I've seen uh, probably a wolf, you know, before. This thing yeah. was different. It had a huge collar of fur around its neck and shoulders, and it was black, long black hair. And he wasn't snarling at all. He looked like he was intelligent, but he wasn't on his hind legs either. Walking, standing, or he would have been nine yeah. feet tall. Yeah. But anyway, that's what I saw. But I didn't see it. Only it was me and my dog saw it too, because her reaction was to be petrified and to wake me up. Yeah. You know. So, uh, have you heard anything like that anywhere? I hope. Yeah, actually, I have. Yeah. I. But usually, okay. usually, usually outdoor. I um I investigate a lot with uh, I don't know if you know who Steve Morello is he's uh oh yeah you know, yeah Asian. yeah you know you see him on TV but yeah and so Steve yeah. and I yeah I train aliens and all that so Steve and I take a lot of trips together we went to Skinwalker Ranch last year I was going to ask uh, you about that that was another question okay go ahead yeah so you know and one of the a lot of the sightings in the area was of a giant white wolf you know which and that's what really piqued my interest you know obviously we, and and um. Yeah, it, it, it's real similar to what you just described, except white. It would appear in front of people. This is all outdoors near the ranch. And just kind of sit yeah. there and look at you, seem intelligent, huge, and then it would just disappear. Yes. So I, you know, and again, we spent a couple nights, and, you know, around the ranch just hanging out. And, I, you know, I, was, I mean, if the wolf wanted to eat me, I was, I was, I was ready, you know, there. But we never <laughs> saw anything. Except, you know, you I got No, I said... I mean, I got yelled at by one of the guards by getting too close to the property, okay. and he released the and he released the dogs on me. Besides that, he no did. Oh yeah, it was like they're oh, small dogs. I mean, they're medium medium sized dogs. Yeah, I was filming and I was getting close to the gate, and I was still on you know public property. I you know I didn't trespass or anything. And then uh, he starts yelling at me, and you know you get the big floodlight. And I don't know what the heck's going on. And all of a sudden I hear this barking, and the dogs start running at me. And then and Steve's yelling, get back in the car, get back in the car. I go, I go, wait, wait, I want to film this. I want to film this. And then... A true researcher. Yeah, you know, they started yelling at me. Eventually I got in the car, and then they jumped out the window, and I couldn't roll up the window up. It was like a movie. 
But uh, yeah, no. So anyway, go back to the uh, to the wolf. Yeah, there's tons of story in that area about this huge wolf that people have been seeing, and then you know, and and here's here's the strange thing, in fact. So we get back here, and Steve and I were talking about it, and I'm like, um, and my first thought was like, you know, it's funny because it's such, the wolf is such an archetype. And, yes, you know, it is. And the, and the ranch is on Native American land. It's on it's on the res. You know, so it's almost like a synonymous sort of like. Sometimes the way it communicates is it paints pictures instead of it uses words. So it communicates yes. by showing new things. And I'm not sure what the white wolf really signifies, but it sort of communicates through an archetype, perhaps. So anyway, we were discussing this one night, you know, and, you know, going through different theories. And I get an email from Dr. Barry Taft from Barry. And he's like, hey, give me a call. You know, I'm like, so I call Barry. And he's like, hey, he's like, I got, you know, I, he's like, I got something. It's more up your territory. Some guy just called me out of Northern California about seeing a giant wolf. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. So the story was this guy was driving, um, not far from San Jose, I believe. I, I have to check my notes. And, you know, he got off the freeway. He likes to drive around one, 1 o'clock in the morning. And he's on the side road. And it's, he's going pretty fast because it's a small, straight road. He was going, he claimed he was going about 90. And all of a sudden, this wolf comes out and starts running on, alongside his car. Now, you know, wolves can run pretty fast, you know, in the, you know, maybe 30 miles per hour, but 90 is kind of pushing it. And the guy told me, he said it was gigantic. The head was kind of like, you know, at the car level, and he was just running alongside the car and sped past the car, and he started panicking, so he went even faster, and the wolf was still keeping up, and eventually it kind of veered off and went out to the bushes and disappeared. And, you know, wow. again, huge and, huge and white, you know? And, uh, yeah. I yeah, I don't, I don't understand it, but, you know, uh, who's big? I don't know. Do you know Linda Godfrey? Oh, absolutely. I, I've. Oh yeah, personally, she's, but I know of her. I've read all her books. Yeah, yeah, she's she's really amazing, and you know she's a great artist. She does a lot of the art of her own books. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that, but she's a wonderful. I've had her on a few times, and uh, she's yeah. the one I was telling my my wolf story to. And okay, then yeah. I was when I was saying it, I was confused because why would? Because she was talking about the wolf men, right? So right, yeah. it was my first interview with her, so I was looking up. You know, our archetypal about the wolf man and everything else. I have a yeah. psychology background too. So that's what I was looking up. She says, No, I'm talking about wolves. I went, yeah. Okay. So actually, that meant I had to out myself. So yeah. she said, No, I'm talking about wolves that will act like yeah. they're running after you, but then they'll veer off. They really don't want to get to. And they're smart. And I went, yeah. Okay. So then I told her the story about this very smart. You know, my place is really small. This thing was taking up the whole hallway. It's how huge it was. She said she's the one who told me that people all over, all over, that she's interviewed these because they write her a lot because she's been, I guess, really doing this stuff for a while. Yeah. Getting many books. She's from Wisconsin, you know, the yeah. monsters of Wisconsin and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, and she, uh, she said no. She said, I said, do you believe me? And she said, of course I believe you because, you know, you're you're not lying. You could tell when a person's lying or not. I don't have to make up anything. And she said, but they all say the same thing, how intelligent it looks. It's yeah. like it's with it. It's not like looking, because you can see a smart animal, right? But they usually yeah. don't look at you and know you and can read your mind. And that's what this right. thing does. You know, so yeah. she thinks it's a time traveler or some kind of a, they take an interest in city people. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Yeah, it's 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 sort of a bizarre phenomenon. I've been I'm sure bizarre. Recent, 
Yeah, it's, it's a more recent phenomenon. You know, I know, um, I believe uh, Linda was a reporter, right, until she heard about the Beast of Bray Road back in yes. the 90s. Yes, exactly. Right? You got so, it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, in fact, I've, it had me create a whole new area of study. I'm calling it para-cryptozoology just because I don't know where to, place, where to place that, you know. But anyway, yeah. actually, we've had two sightings of that in uh, near Topanga Canyon or in the Malibu Creek right here in California. Yeah. One, one of them I think uh, Linda covered in one of her books, if I remember correctly. I think it was the Malibu Creek one. But um, it was uh, the other sighting, I, some guy told it to me personally. This, this was, I don't know, five years ago. I was, uh, I was making a brief speech at a MUFON meeting in Los Angeles. And um, I don't remember the nature of the speech at that point. But this guy's like, you know, people are asking some questions. This guy's like, I got a story for you. You know, he's like, what do you make of this? He's like, you know, he's like, you're in Topanga Canyon, as you know, it's a UFO-rich area. It's been sightings there yes. for decades on a regular basis. And he was at the, one of the parks there. And he says, he was you know, near dusk, and he's walking around. So he sees a huge white wolf-looking animal with no tail. He said it was enormous. You know, and he, he was kind of in the distance. You know, I kind of looked at him, and he said it disappeared, or he couldn't tell if he went up in the bushes. And he's like, have you ever heard of that? And at the time, I was like, not really. I go, there's, you know, the research yeah. out in Wisconsin. And the Godfrey, that covers some of that event. But, right. I, you know, I've, I've personally I've never heard any sighting. That's the first time. I'm like, well, I'll talk to this guy afterwards, get more detail, and maybe, you know, make a trip up there. But he ended up, he left, and I never got I never saw him again. And I didn't think about well, it much until Skinwalker, you know? Yes. So I was just intrigued that you made it over there to that ranch that you actually went up there because it seems to have a strange attraction that people want to go up there and they're trying to keep people out. Uh, yeah. I don't understand why they just don't, unless there's a family living there and they want their privacy. I'm not sure. But if there's a I, – I understand it to be like a Native American – a sacred ground. The things have been going yeah. on a very long time. So for thousands of years, the Native Americans have known, you know, the Native peoples have known that uh, there's these certain uh, coyote power and stuff like yeah. that, you know, and wolves and stuff like that. So I, they're actually telling the truth, you know, because the Native Americans, remember, we're talking about the spider in the sky weaving her web. Yeah. And that's how we're all going to be connected someday is by the spider web and spider power. And it turns out, yeah, we call the Internet the web. You know, it's it's just uh, uh, right. things in our lifetime have transpired that, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't have Internet like this. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I you know I read the writing on the wall like in 99. I thought, you know, if you're not on a – I had a, a vision about – Gosh, and it was so long ago, 25, 30 years ago, I told my mother, I said, Mom, I said, we're going to have, every house is going to have a flat black screen, and every house is going to have a computer. She said, are you nuts? <laughs> what are you talking about? I said, no, Mom. I said, we're going to be able to watch things that you've never seen before in your whole life, and yeah. everybody's going to have a flat screen and a black thing. And now it's all about these black flat screens. That's pretty recent, you know, because before yeah. we just, people are still putting for yard sales with big clunky TVs. But I was seeing yeah. an exquisite. I guess I've got some kind of link on the exquisite electronic thing coming out. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm interested, which I am. But I finally, by 1999, I knew the writing's on the wall. If you don't learn a computer, learn a computer, you're going to be left behind, girl. So I started oh, yeah. training, you know, to learn how to do it. And now I can, uh, 
I don't know how to program it, of course, but I can work on uh, Macs and, uh, you know, the PCs at work and stuff like that. So it's yeah. helped me with my career because I can actually do something where, you yeah, know, so. a lot of people still still aren't doing it. They're still not on computers and uh, they're really being left behind because there's a wealth of knowledge. Okay, you know how we used to have those huge sets of encyclopedias and all that? We have more than that now. We have everything yeah. ac- accessible to learn all we want. And I just found out yesterday, I mean, you can take your free classes online, even at your public library. You can take all these classes. There's nothing that can keep you from education. You know, you might yeah. not get credit like college course or something because you're not enrolled, but it's free. And you know, learning. And you can learn. Don't you think yeah. that's exciting? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, okay, yeah. pick up a subject and go learn it. Yeah. Yeah. And this wasn't possible a short time ago. You know, now our science books are wrong, you know. It's just uh you know, they're they're kind of archaic. So anyway, I hope everybody just uh goes for the modern, goes for peace and love and so anyway, uh what else, mister? 'Cause uh we're about that time. We have a few minutes to uh, is there anything that you want to cover that we haven't covered? Because there's, there's endlessly fascinating. There is, you know, you have your book uh, that has everything from cryptozoology to uh, the Congo to UFOs to, you know, the haunting nuns and healers in Scotland. You know, it's just fantastic. I, I, I advise everybody to get it. The Presence and Exploration into the Paranormal by Alex. How do you pronounce your last name? Mistrata. Mistrata. So I guess I was saying it right. But anyway, it's only uh, 1690, and uh, you've got a five-star review so far. So get on there, read it, and give your reviews, you know. And uh, how would you – what else do you want to talk about uh, as we close? Um, No, I I don't have anything specific. I don't know if there's any other questions uh, you had. Well, you know, I have a million of them. So uh, the – the, another thing, uh, the, I don't know if you have covered this in, in your experiences, but uh, in across the, the now this is what I told somebody once, okay? Yeah. So I've even told you know once in a while I tell a client this because they have their there'll be a player they have all these women and uh, um, people have come to me and and just said you know why do I have this problem with women and all that and I go well. You're actually creating the problem, you know, by loving and leaving these women and leaving them with babies and everything else. You're kind of, you know, creating ghosts. You know, I had a weird theory, and it made sense to me, really. (laughs) I might still. So anyway, we this is there's this Loranda in Mexico, and then there's the Banshee of uh, Scotland of these Uh, screaming women. I said, dude, what you're creating. Is a banshee right now? I see these because then they, of course, when a woman turns on you, you've got you've got a problem. You know what I mean? It's worse than yeah. a man turning on you because a woman can haunt you in a very odd way. So I said, you're creating these banshees. They're gonna be after you. So look out, sucker. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> what do you think of the the haunted spirit? You know, the one that, that unfortunately she killed her children and then was looking for them forever. That's in New, New Mexico. I think her name is LaRonda. Then there's La Llorona. Uh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. La Llorona, L-L-O-S-H-R-O-N-A. Yeah. 
it's interesting. There's actually a few different spots, I think, in Mexico where that's, you know, reported. And, um, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about it aside from just, you know, the story. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I've never studied that personally. But it's interesting. No. Obviously, you'd have, you to, you know, you'd have to make my... sure. Your theory? I, I'd have yeah, to think about it. I mean, theory. I, I'm a big believer in that you can influence uh, reality, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy. I think that's in the quantum world that you yeah. can take it to another level. We can actually literally, you know, affect reality and you can determine your own course and you can, you know. So, yeah, I, yeah obviously, I mean, you know, I'm not a scientist. I don't know how it works. I'm, I like to think I'm mm. really intelligent, but I get carried away. So, yeah, no, I absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the, the concept of self-fulfilling prophecy to me is vastly under appreciate it, you know, and yeah. we believe in the stuff we believe in, like, you know, the, like we talked about earlier about, you know, the poltergeist agents and the exactly. poltergeist and things, and, and you can, you can take it another level and you can actually affect physicality and, you know, the world around you, and, you know, I think that's the same mechanism. I totally mechanism. believe that. Yeah. I know, because as soon as I move into a place, I get my little altar going and, you know, uh, my icons and... Of course, you know, every Greek house has a little altar and stuff like that, and yeah, the yeah. candles. But I've, I've had that my whole life, my whole life. Even when I was a little tiny kid, my grandparents were so religious. But they gave me a habit that really has helped me because uh, I have a very peaceful surrounding. People even come in and say, you pray a lot in here. I'll go, yes. Because you, know, you have to if you're given... Let's say I told you just a little tiny piece of the things that I dream and see and stuff like that. If you don't have, like, a strong spiritual life, you can just go nuts. I think that's what happens to people. They get so stressed or they don't know where to go. Either they clam up or they put them in a nut house or medicate them or whatever. You know what I mean? But uh, there's a lot of stuff that's true. And I have had like clients that were schizophrenic, let's say. And yeah. uh, without their medication, they really have a full-on conversation going and all that. And then yeah. I start talking to them, well, what are they saying? You know, and what they're, they're very imaginative, let's put it that way. There's yeah. some wild stories, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking, like, where does this stuff come from? Yeah. You know, if the voices yeah. are talking to them and saying all this outlandish stuff, you know, uh, it takes a very creative mind to come up with something like that. It's not like uh, elevator music. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so... It's. It's. Uh, I think that we're incredible humans, and that our capacities are so far more. And I think we're even developing them more. You know, I think we're a little bogged down though on planet Earth, though. You know, we oh, can't seem to rise above a certain level. I just feel the bogged down of it. You know, I'm trying, but I'm not doing as good as the meditators and all that. Yeah, we're we're our own worst enemies. You know. Yeah. We keep ourselves down. Know. You know, but. Yeah. It's a lot of, of striving, but, you know, I think that uh, I had a, a little flash of something once, and it was like a review of my life, and I saw all the mistakes I made, and uh, the, even the mistakes were counted in as uh, propelling me towards my higher power. You know, and I never knew yeah. that concept before, that even the mistakes, because I always thought, yeah. really, my, my primary concept was you make a mistake, you screw up, that piece of chunk of your life is screwed up forever. You know, really. Yeah. Okay, you did this damage, and this is it. And But in this dream or vision, whatever you want to call it, it wasn't like that at all. All of it works to the greater good and propels us towards our destiny. You know, even the mistakes yeah. are energy that propels us forward. 
you know, I literally saw myself before I was born to being born to the effort it takes to learn how to walk to the whole thing. And then once you get to your higher power, you're transformed and sent out, you know, many more times you. It's like you times 200 now. Yeah. You know, there's a reason behind yeah. even that. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I think you can even take it to another level on top of that. I think it's not just about your life. I think it affects everything else around you otherwise. It's kind of like a 3D butter, butterfly effect. So yes. that's why I think in that sense, you know, it all happens for a reason, positive, negative. It's, it's part of the whole, you know. So it's not just about us, but it's about everybody else. And, I, you know, it's like I said, like a th- I look at it as a three-dimensional butterfly effect, right, where the wings of a butterfly in Indonesia affect yes. water in California, that type of thing. So I've always been a big believer of that. And I think in some ways, you know, someone asked me, you know, recently, like, well, how come, you know, bad things happen to, you know, to good people? I go, because I don't think it's really about you. It's about if that's supposed to happen because it fits in within the whole of, you know, of reality and the entirety, and that's why certain things need to happen. You know, we have to stop looking in terms of just like a one-dimensional life, me, 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 and then, you know, and there's just maybe there's just a few persons around me. I think it's about everything and everybody else, and it's all interconnected in that sense. And obviously, we're incapable of seeing the big picture because it's too big, you know? Could, at least that's the way I look at it. So, it is too big, and then it has different dimensions at this point, too. Not only is it big, what's in front of our face, there's the unknown, yeah. which is in layers that I think we're all sensing. And I think that's what I'm seeing when I see stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm seeing yeah. over there a little bit. Yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely a complex subject. Very. And how's your mom doing? Like, what, uh, what, what's, uh, because she's carried this paranormal stuff her whole life, and, uh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, because she's, you know, obviously she, she's really open to it, she has no issues. It's really rare, it doesn't, it doesn't happen to her all that often, so it's only right. once in a while, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so she's not really all that affected by it. I, so, yeah, I mean, she's fine, and, you know, it's, she lives in France. She went back. I was down in high school. She went back to France, so I don't, you know, see her all that wow. often. But. Yeah. And I haven't seen, you know, the writing on her arm and all that. I haven't seen that happen as far as I know in years. But, yeah. you know, last time, it, I think last time was when, you know, the story I told you about the knife vibrating. I think that was the last time as far as I know. Right. Well, France is a beautiful place, that's for sure. I don't blame yeah. her for going back. I know one yeah. one relative, a cousin's uh in-law lady, the lady when her husband passed, she moved back to Scotland and to a castle. She's been there ever since. She had a, actually she had apartment buildings in uh, Venice, so she sold yeah. all those buildings. Imagine what they're worth now. Oh my God! But anyway, she oh, sold yeah. all that, bought a castle in Scotland, and moved to castle and by herself in Scotland. Huh. So uh, I don't know what happened to her. Yeah. It's kind of a extreme, you know, but it's. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. You've just been a very fascinating guest, and uh, I hope I didn't talk your ear off because there's so many uh, subjects that you're covering in your book, The Presence and Exploration to the Paranormal. And you can find it on uh, your website, www.paranormalbook. The, 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 the Presence Book. Sorry. The Presence Book.com. You can go on Amazon. That's where I found it. And uh, Either way, and I've also uh, posted links on the the show site, and uh, so you can listen to the show again in archives, and also 
click on the the, show, the link, so it'll take you right straight to his book. And because uh, you, it's really a, a great book, and you're a great person. You know, and it's been really wonderful getting to know you. And because uh, I want to thank you so much for for uh, coming on the show tonight. And uh, I said a big prayer, and uh, somehow I got you on here. I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> we really don't know each other yet. So you know, I'm just it's really nice meeting you and getting to know you and hearing your story. Absolutely. You know, so. And uh, I want to wish you well in all your endeavors and keep us posted on what's going on. And you're welcome anytime. Absolutely. If you have anything you want me to, you're very welcome. If you have anything you want me to bring up on the show or anything promote, just let me know, okay? Perfect. I really appreciate it. Okay, you take care. I'll see you around soon. All right, you too. All right, take care. Thank you. Good night. Okay, bye bye. So we've been with this extraordinary guy, um, Alex, and. I just want to let you know that uh, Alex Misrata is a is an awesome person. He's just like just like a description of him uh, between X Files and Indiana Jones, and he's uh, done amazing things. And uh, let's keep him in our our positive thoughts and encourage him to uh, keep doing what he's doing because he's sticking out his neck for all of us. And I I totally believe in and support us. So you can get his book at www.thepresence.the P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E book dot com. And anyway, it's the end of the show. It's another awesome Friday night in Southern California. I'm telling you, it's gorgeous here. Gorgeous. Anyway, so follow the links to the show to contact me and give a message you'd like to be part of our show or for general assistance and help because I'm always here. Remember to go to the Cyril Shindig this weekend or tomorrow night and uh, go to www.cerointernational.com to find out where it is in the tickets, it's going to be in Culver City. Anyway, you're not going to believe that people, usually everybody goes to breakfast after, so everybody's up to 3 in the morning talking. If you want to get a hold of me, you can get, reach me at Sean McCain, P.O. Box 980, from Oaks Beach, California, 90254, if you want me to write to snail mail. Or you can just reach me and friend me on Facebook, Charlene Simpson McCain. Anyway, God bless everybody. Uh, the show is archived. Again, so you can listen to it later. Remember to tell your friends. Come back next week for another show. The Paranormal Sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard. And I want to God bless everybody and may your best be dreams come true and true love live in your heart. And uh, it's been a wonderful show tonight. And I want to thank you for listening in and those in chat and all, all my friends listening all over the world. God bless you. Love you and take care. Bye-bye.